Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I don't know how long you've listened to the show, but we are well over 360 episodes. We've been doing this for three and a half years. Some people have been along for the ride. I don't think anybody's listened to every episode, but I know some people have listened to a lot of them. Uh, Others, this might be your first time uh, visiting Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. My goal as the host is really to turn this into a little mini university for me. And for those of you who tune in and listen, I interview a wide variety of people, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, small businesses, large businesses, sometimes people who work inside companies who are just being entrepreneurial in their job with the intent of getting ideas, thoughts, nuggets, concepts out into the world because there's no one way we can do this. If you're an entrepreneurial artist, you have your own canvas that you have to paint. So therefore... You can't just copy somebody else. You can't just say, I'm going to go be like Elon Musk because there's only one Elon Musk. You got to do it your own way. But the easiest way to do that is to take clues because success leaves clues. And that's what I try to do here on Cool Things is show you some of those clues from some very interesting people. And today is going to be no different. Today, I am bringing you Cindy Schulson. Now, Cindy started out as sort of a corporate slug. She worked for some really big companies whose names you would totally recognize doing like that corporate communication style stuff. And she realized along the way that that wasn't where she needed to be. And so now she works for herself, helping entrepreneurs market themselves online. And as she says, more heart than hype. So Cindy Schulson, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. So I don't read bios and stuff like that. So why don't you tell everybody who you are and what is your business all about? All right. Well, my business is called Marketing From Within, and I work primarily with coaches and consultants and other experts, and I really teach them how to captivate their dream clients by marketing with heart versus hype. So what do you mean? Let's let's stop there. What do you mean heart versus hype? All right. Here's what I figured out. You know, I remember sitting at this, um, I was on a panel at a conference and somebody asked me, it was AG, you know, AG. Yeah. So he said, he asked me the question. He said, Cindy, do you like marketing? And I just remember like in my gut at that moment going, I actually do. Because to me, Mm -hmm. marketing is just sharing your message. But I also in that moment realized that most people don't like marketing And I don't think it has to do necessarily with not owning their value and blah, blah, blah. I think it's because they don't like how people are marketing to them. And if you take a look at a lot of the marketing, especially online, it is really pushy. It's this fear-based, it's scarcity-based. And to me, marketing with heart, it's really, first of all, it's about showing up in an authentic way. It's about putting your heart and your head and your message, and we can talk more about that in just a little bit. It's about really honoring who you are and honoring the people that you're trying to reach. So it's just a different approach to marketing that just feels so much better for me to do and for me to teach. So I noticed one of the things of late is the amount of people who send emails like every 45 seconds. 
Uh, I have a new rule that I subscribe from five mailing lists every Friday. So when Friday comes along, I go through my inbox and I just unsubscribe. I unsubscribe to friends. I unsubscribe to brands. I unsubscribe to people who met me at a conference and put me on their mailing list without asking me. It doesn't matter. If you're sending me stuff, Unless I say, oh my God, that's the most valuable thing in my inbox, I'm just unsubscribing. And I've done this now for two years. I've never run out of things to subscribe to. So uh, it just keeps happening. Things just keep coming. And so what is the difference between, you know, how do, how do we go towards what you were talking about at heart? Let's go deeper. All right. So let's, let's start for a second and really think about what marketing really is. So let's kind of start with the basics for a second. And to me, marketing, as I said, is sharing your message, but there's a few elements there. It's sharing your message with the right people so they're inspired to take action. So all that, we, I just think people complicate marketing too much because they want us to buy their fancy programs, right? So if you just think about it, if marketing is sharing your message with the right people so they're inspired to take action, what do you have to know? You have to know, what your message is, you have to know who the right people are, you have to know what action you want them to take, and how you're going to inspire them to take that action. So to me, it's just really simple. And if you look at it like that, break it down like that, right? So how, so how long have you been doing this? How long ago was it that you left your corporate job? Oh my gosh, I left corporate a long time ago. I left, well, I had my first child when I was 36. I'm 53 now, you do the math. <laughs> um, and I've, I've been building my own business for 10 years. So on my last episode, I interviewed somebody and, and we came up with an idea that, you know, in business, so much is focused on the young, right? We live in a young person society. So much is written. You can't open up a, a paper or, or a magazine or look at anything online without reading about the millennials and, 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 you know, what they're doing in business. And we came up with the thought that we're going to respect the people who are old enough to remember watching the original Charlie's Angels on television. <laughs> That's when we know somebody has business success. If you're old enough to remember the first run of Charlie's Angels, and you and I are the same age, so. Uh, and my brother had the poster. God, that's what, so that's what we said on the last, go back and listen to the last episode with Ivy Slater. It was the same thing. She's like, oh, the poster. And then I had to admit that I had the poster. Of course you did. <laughs> Every male had that poster. Okay, I'll admit, I had Scott Baio. Ah! I'm so embarrassed to say that now. But she said David right. Cassidy. My wife would say Sean Cassidy. See, it's not sexist. It was all the same. And actually, Sean Cassidy and Farrah Fawcett had the same hairdo. Yes, they really did. They did. I was so jealous of their hair. I've got curly hair, so I was so jealous. <laughs> so 20-some so years ago, you left corporate America. What made you leave? I had a child. I, you know what? I had had this amazing career. You know, um, I actually come from three generations of entrepreneurs and I'm like the only one who went the corporate route. (laughs) Um, But I'm so glad I did because my experiences were actually really entrepreneurial. And like I was external affairs manager for Coca-Cola in Vietnam. Like, how cool is that? I, (laughs) I had, yeah, I had such amazing experiences until I moved to the States. I'm from Canada originally. I moved to the States and I was working in the head offices of these companies. And that's when things started shifting. And it was like, eh, I like having more freedom, you know, working, you know, either overseas or in a really small consulting firm. And so that's when, you know, when I had my child, I just remember in that moment, I was sitting in this conference and I just remember thinking, I don't care how many and I'll just say widgets you sell. 
I just didn't care anymore. And so when I had my first child, I was actually earning double what my husband was, but I just quit my job and I never went back. Well, it's interesting because there was a little sideline that you dropped in there that I, I need to touch on. And that is that you're Canadian, which yeah. answers a lot of questions because I'm always going to go to the stereotype. You are so okay. nice. And now I understand <laughs> why. Because there's only nine jerk Canadians in the world. So you're, the odds are you're automatically nice. Justin Bieber. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to name who they were, but clearly the Canadians keep the list because when, when one dies, they have to add somebody else. There can only be nine. <laughs> like, I like that rule. Yeah. That's, uh, no, so my, my daughter, when she was like, I don't know, 12 years old, she didn't know that there was this underlying stereotype about Canadians being nice, but she had met separately three Canadians who were like also 12-year-old girls or 14-year-old girls, whatever. And she made a comment one night at dinner that all Canadians are so nice. And we looked at her like, how, how would you know that that's a stereotype? And she goes, no, it's my study. And I said, oh, your I study? And she goes, I know three and they're all nice. And I had to point out that that wasn't actually a scientific number, you know. It's good. But, but the, good. the three who she knew were all nice. <laughs> and, and as it turns out, that started a whole stereotype around the world. But you see, Tom, that's a hundred percent conversion. So she's actually good. <laughs> that's right. Fortunately, she hasn't run into any of those nine. So, <laughs> so you had a child. You decided to leave. You were making more money, and you never looked back. What did you do right away? Because obviously, twenty years ago, you weren't teaching people how to market online because there wasn't really online much. There you was, I guess. But. It was such a weird moment. I'll, I remember like pushing the baby carriage around going, what the heck am I doing here? Like living in the suburbs, like what happened? But I just decided like, I'm a, I'm quite a live in the moment kind of person. And I just decided, okay, I am just going to embrace this and enjoy this because I'm 36. It's not like I'm a young mom and I wanted to really enjoy it. I had my second one. I was just a few weeks shy of 40. And it was when he went to preschool that I started really focusing on the, on the online stuff. Now, having said that, I dabbled in some other things before that, but I just didn't, like I hadn't found my home, you know? And so when I discovered coaching and internet marketing, that was it. Like, boom. <laughs> so now that you've been doing this for a while, what is it that you love about the lifestyle of being an entrepreneur? I mean, coming from three generations of entrepreneurs, you obviously had, you know, some guidance and some things that you saw. I, I, in turn, my dad worked for an insurance company, so I never really saw this. I had to discover it on my own. But what do you love about it? Well, we all talk about the freedom, but for me, the freedom is more about doing and saying whatever the heck you want. <laughs> That's to me what the freedom is. It's not, yes, making your own hours, all that stuff is good, but you know, like I just remember um, in corporate where I just didn't feel like I could really work on what I wanted to do. And, and then there was another sort of trigger moment for me when I had um, I was working for a large multinational consulting firm and I'd done a project in corporate social responsibility. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. Like, right. OK, so I just loved it. It was just the coolest project. And somehow I managed to get a meeting with the CEO and I pitched him and I'm like, okay, I want to bring corporate social responsibility to our San Francisco office and just build this up. And I remember him looking at me and he just said, Cindy, there's not enough money in that for us. And I was just like, in that moment, it was just like, you know, when you have like this, this like light bulb moment, when you just go, I'm going to, I'm going to make something 
of this one day. And it wasn't like a punch in the gut. It was just like a, a light bulb where I'm like, okay, that's all right. I'll be able to do this one day. And you know what, Tom? I had no idea, but I was pregnant at the time. Ah. Well, there you go. And time to quit. You know, yeah. And, and very soon after I quit. Yeah. So what advice do you have for somebody who's listening who goes, yeah, I want to be able to do what I want to do and they want to start their own business. What advice would you have? Maybe it's a young mother. What advice do you have for someone who wants to go that journey? Well, don't do what I did for the first year and a half of my business, which was basically completely ignore everything I had done in the past and go, oh, well, you know, that was then, this is now. I don't want to do that anymore. So I did not, for the first year and a half, leverage my experiences and my strengths in my business. Despite having worked in strategic communications my whole career, I never once thought about how I can use that skill set in my business, but apply it in a way that I'm passionate about. Hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make. So what was the change when you, when you embraced your past and, and worked that into your business? What was the biggest change? I started getting clients. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, you know, it's like this, it was just kind of like completely not leveraging it, but it's, it's a journey. It's a, it's a journey of evolution. So when I basically, I figured out um, how to apply my strengths and my experiences. And I ended up creating this free report called all about attracting your niche. And I put it together in a free report with a landing page, didn't even have a website yet. And I ended up with more people on my email list in a few weeks than I'd had in a year and a half before that. Mm. And that actually led to my first business to track your niche. But I still wasn't fully leveraging my strengths, Tom. I, and I, I still wasn't completely focusing on the messaging and what I stand for in my business and putting my heart in my business. That took me a little bit longer. And so in 2015, I rebranded as marketing from within. So the lesson is, you know, figure out what your niche is in a way that really leverages your strengths, but also give yourself the space to let things evolve. Because as your business evolves and you evolve, your messaging and your focus are going to evolve as well. So I spend a lot of time talking about what I call the paradox of potential. We all think, oh, I've got so much potential in this business. And then people don't get results. And maybe you experienced that in the first couple of years. And so one of the things, it's one of the things I work with companies on when I go in and speak is about how to start a dialogue about what's holding people back from their potential and then what people need to do. And it's different for everybody to get across that gap. What do you think is the biggest thing that holds people back from achieving on their potential? There's so many fear. There's so many fears. I mean, that's what holds us back from achieving on their potential in business and in life. And we don't necessarily see it as a fear, but when we get to the really heart and soul of it, it's some kind of fear or block that, that we have. Yeah. You well, know, one of the yeah. things that, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say I'm, I'm in full agreement. In fact, my, my pledge when I turned 50 was I was going to make 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And part of that was just say yes to things that scare me. So recently I went and did stand-up for the first time. I did an open mic night. Awesome. And that led me to doing it several more times. And I'll probably continue to do it a few more times because it's still scary as can be. Uh, I jumped off the stratosphere and what they call the sky jump, 108 stories off a, of a tower in Vegas. 
I uh, I did a TEDx talk with like four weeks to write it and prep it from zero to delivery because someone had canceled and they filled me in. Um, I uh, I've done I started going doing outdoor vacation. I'm a city guy and I, I I spent a few days in Yosemite and I went to Costa Rica and so I'm just saying yes to things that I might have talked myself out of before. So I think you're onto something because we don't even call them fears sometimes, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. I totally I love that and and I lived my 20s and 30s completely fearless. Like just, I mean, I literally heard about this program where you would um, study about Asia and then they'd help you find a job there. I found out about it. I applied. As soon as I got in, I gave two weeks notice at my job. I moved across the country and I just never been to Asia before. And then I moved there. So, you know, that's the kind of way I led my life. And when I had kids, I found it changed. I, I, the, the priorities refocused. And now I'm not an empty nester yet. I still got a 13 year old. So I got a little ways to go. Yeah, we've got we've got two more years. I've got we've got a 16 year old. Oh, at home. Yeah, 13 and 17. So I still got a few more years. But you know, the what I've realized, Tom, it's like, we don't have to, it's like the same thing in business and in life, right? We don't have to go, okay, well, I can't do this now. So I'm not going to do it at all. No, it's like, okay, what can I do now, even if it's a little bite size of it, and still bring an adventurous spirit to it? Right. And then when the time is right, then I'll be able to go and have bigger adventures. No, I think I think that's great. And I look back and in my 20s and 30s, I wasn't that way. Right. I, I let fear. I let sort of what society expected of me sort of rule. And then you get caught up raising a family and everything else. So this is this is new for me to be saying yes. And, and it's paying off this whole concept of make 50 to 75 the best years of your life. You know, I, th- I think it's going to matter even more to the millennials because I think they're going to hit 50 and be like, what? What happened? You know, it's ah. I think that's awesome. I think it's absolutely awesome. And I think it's a very normal reaction that I think a lot of us have. I mean, in our 50s, it's like, holy crap, like I'm running out of time here. We got to make this count, right? Well, and I have a different outlook because my dad was 52 when I was born. So you don't even wow. have a memory of your parents probably till you're close to 60, till they're close to 60, or I'm sorry, till you're close to seven or eight, which made him close to 60. And he, you know, he retired at 65. So I was like in eighth grade. And he started coaching my baseball team. He uh, always was there to drive me to drama practice or, you know, was always there if, you know, we had a drama festival out of town or something like that. And the reality was, was that he lived to be 99 years old. So I witnessed him live for 40 years over 60 and he was widowed at age 70 and just continued to live his life. I mean, he didn't think it would go on much longer. So he thought, well, how many years could it be? And he lived 30 years on his own. And so I have a different outlook about that age just because I don't, I don't see it as old because my father didn't mirror that. That's awesome. That is very cool. And on the flip side, my mom is only 79, but she has Alzheimer's now and her mom had it. And so I kind of look at it like, crap, I, you know, I'm not scared of um, running out of time. I just want to make the most of whatever time there is to really live fully, you know, and gosh, please, please, my 17-year-old isn't a science. Let him discover a cure for Alzheimer's. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I heard a commercial today and it said, and it's funny you bring that up, it said that the first person to be cured of Alzheimer's is alive today. Mm -hmm. So I totally believe that. That's awesome. Yeah. And and I mean, it is such a, it's such a, you know, in, in some ways it's like such a painful disease. And at the same time, oh my goodness, like talk about living in the moment. You know, I go visit my mom. She lives in Florida. I'm in San Diego and I'll go there like once a month. And 
she might not remember my visit from one to the next, but boy, do I make her happy in the time that we're there. So there's something to learn in every experience, right? And yeah, she she teaches me every time I see her. Well, and that's I think a good philosophy is is live 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 in that moment, but also learn from every moment. I think you're doing it. Yeah. I think you're you're facing it the right way. Hey, I've got more questions for you, but before I can let you go, and before I can ask those last questions, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that technical work. I hate the technical work. So that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Cindy Schulson. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Cindy, I call this show... Cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Oh, that's a great question. It's something I just did um, less than a month ago. So does that count? Is that good enough? Sure. <laughs> okay. Cool things entrepreneurs <laughs> did. No, okay. no, no, no. It, it's close enough. Go ahead. Did recently. Yeah. Okay. So I have um, one of the things that I love teaching my clients is to create what I call a client journey. So that's the steps you take your clients through and the results they get at each step. So my client journey is real simple. It's three steps. Clarify your message, share your message, monetize your message. So what I decided to do was rather than just like do a webinar where I teach the three steps, I wanted to do something that was much more engaging for people and would add even more value than just listening to me talk. So I created a three-day workshop series. It was all online where we would do one step each day. And I would teach and then I would have laser coaching. They'd have an assignment to do. Um, and then they would submit their assignment to me and I'd pick some people to do some laser coaching with the next day. And it was so much fun and people just got amazing results from it. But it was a, a way for me to like really give value, really help people streamline and simplify marketing. And then of course they were able to apply to uh, speak with me for the Marketing with Heart Mentoring program. And it was beautiful. It worked so well. So I encourage everybody to find ways to add value in a way that feels fun for you. That's awesome. So Cindy, we could talk about you and everything you do with your company all day long, but I love to ask the people who come on this show, who do you see out in the world of entrepreneurship, in the entrepreneur sphere, if you will, who you say, they're, they're crushing it. They're doing something cool. Who do you admire? Oh, my, okay. My latest entrepreneur uh, dream crush is a guy we both know. It's how we met is Steve Olsher. And Steve and I are in um, some mastermindy type things together. So I've you know gotten to know him over the years and seen him. And I remember when he first brought up this whole idea of the New Media Summit, it was just like this little idea. And he took that idea and he just, boom, implemented it fast and so beautifully like you we met at his new media summit event and I just so admire somebody who just has like this idea and they just do it they make it happen and they make it happen it even and keep improving it right build on that success so he did the first one I wasn't at that one but is that the second one? And from what I've heard, it just keeps getting better and better. So yeah, I, really I love that. I had the honor to be on the on the faculty for both of them, and oh, uh, cool. uh, what he called the icons. And uh, 
the second one, the first one was great. Second one was better. Uh, the third one's going to be in Austin, Texas, I understand, which is where I live. So uh, oh, hopefully okay. I'll get to, to be one of the few who gets to go back for the third one. I, I told him, I said, I think geography automatically gets me a spot, but I don't, I don't know if that's true. Plus, I have the problem that I travel out of Austin about 125 days a year. So, you know, I, I have no guarantee that I'm actually even around when he has it, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I probably will go back. I met some great people. We picked up, like you, amazing people who've shared so much on this show that it just makes cool things that much better. Mm-hmm. So the last question I ask everybody is, I think as entrepreneurs, we got to do more than just make money. I think we have an obligation to, to give back to society in some way. So I love to ask people who come on the show, what do you do to give back to the greater good? I love that question too. And you know, it's something I've been thinking about more and more and I need to do it in a bigger way. I'll be honest, because I've been doing it in smaller ways. Um, and, and again, it's like that build on success. It doesn't mean if you can't do it big, you don't do it at all. So right now it's just been small. Like I participated in this event where we all donated a VIP day and the, all, everything went to, to a charity you know, but we can do it even in small ways. Like one of my favorite little ways to give back is when we all send client gifts, right? So Google gifts that give back. And there are gifts where you can give presents to people that for every present that you give, it goes to charity. Like my favorite now is called hand in hand. And it's like soaps that you send. And for every gift that you send, they'll donate like clean water or whatever to, uh, to developing countries. So there's so many small little ways we can do it, but I, I, I do need to do it in an even bigger way. No, I, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in the art of giving small. In fact, uh, I have no idea when the actual video will go up. This uh, We're doing this interview now. It's a couple months till it will actually air. I'm assuming by the time this episode is live, and I talked about it on the last episode uh, with, with Ivy Slater, I think that uh, my TEDx talk that I did uh, in the earlier part of 2018 probably should hit uh, the internets uh, at some point, and it's called The Art of Giving Small colon compounded generosity and it's all about how we just give a little bit every time i give a speech we give a tiny couple of percentage points to what is now two different charities and over the past 12 years it's grown to seventy thousand dollars now that's awesome i don't come from a family who has their name on the wall of a hospital and yet we have our you know it's actually not my name but it's we call it the kate singer endowment for cranial facial research Uh, My daughter was born with a cranial facial abnormality that required some massive surgery when she was an infant, and we wanted to find a way to give back. We felt very fortunate, but we couldn't write big checks. So I was starting my speaking career a little over 10 years ago, and we just started saying, okay, every time I get a check, a little bit goes to the hospital. And we started off with the hospital in our town that was brand new. The children's hospital didn't exist when Kate was born. And then we expanded it to a similar type giving fund at the hospital in San Diego, Rady Children's, where Kate was operated on. And uh, the combination of the two over time has grown. So it's the story of how you don't have to be rich to impact a charity. You just have to do little things consistently over time, and you can have a huge impact. Uh, because seventy, I never dreamed it would be $70,000. And, and Kate mm-hmm. recently in the last year said, what if I take it over in my lifetime? Could we make it a million dollars? I and, love that. My, yeah. my brother had a child born with Down syndrome and he started just for fun, like this Facebook page. And, and it was all about celebrating kids with Down syndrome. He's now turned that into a massive nonprofit organization mm-hmm. and his daughter is going to start working in it. So yeah, right. exactly. That's the spirit. I love that. So yeah. So I think, you know, I think small, small matters if you, if you just do it consistently. So yeah. So my Ted talk was about how cool. any, anybody can have an impact, even if you don't have big dollars or a lot of time. 
Oh, that's awesome, Tom. So, Cindy, thank you so much for being on the show. If someone's listening and they think, I need to know more about this lady, maybe they need some of that uh, online consulting to be able to market better and to do it with heart over hype. How do they find you? Sure, they can go to marketingfromwithin.com. And I have a free authentic brand guide that I have there that really teaches you how to create an authentic brand that captivates your dream clients. And it's when I talk about branding, I'm not talking about the visual brand. I'm talking about your authentic brand of how you really show up in your business. Awesome. Well, everybody should go over and check that out. So again, thank you for being on the show. And I say it every time. Thanks to the audience. If it wasn't for you listening in, why would we even have this podcast? So if you like cool things entrepreneurs do, do me a favor. Go tell a couple of friends because if you like it, your friends will like it because they're like you. And jump over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe and leave a review. It just makes my day better when there's a new review on there. And, you know, I have thousands of people who listen to each episode, but I get very few new reviews. And so... uh I'm going to challenge you. Just take it two minutes if you like the show and go leave a review. Tell us why you liked any one particular episode. Tell us why you thought Cindy was great. Uh, just say something nice and it makes my whole day better. So don't cheat me out of feeling better every single day. Hey, if you want to find out more about me, you can go to TomSinger.com. You can follow us on all the social medias. We're on uh, Facebook, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You can find me on Twitter at TomSinger or at Cool Podcast. And then uh, on top of that, if you want to join the group coaching program, the Potential Mastermind Project, go to PotentialMastermind.com and you will find out everything you've ever wanted to know about that. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Cindy. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.